G'day and welcome to another episode of the Beyond the Fence podcast and we are rolling this week, another episode, you're going to get sick of me by the end of it. Uh, and today we're pivoting away from basketball because I promised myself I wouldn't make this a basketball show and dead set the last like five have been basketball. So joining me today for an EPL season preview, one half of NRL Boom Rookies and previous guest uh, about the naughty Super League, but he's back. <laughs> How are you? Hello, Ben. I'm great. How you doing? I'm very good. Um, happier times now. Yeah, somewhat, I guess. Um, you know, it's been a dark few days with no Olympics, but um, <laughs> the Premier yes. League's back in uh, two days. So, yeah, yeah. So, you, feeling good. There's always something. You've, all, you've had to fill three days of lockdown with, I don't I know. I mean, Summer League? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, well, you're talking to the wrong person if you're slandering Summer League. Well, I mean, look, it's just something to fill the void, mate. Like, it's there. It is there. Yeah, just NBA players rocking up suddenly with their gold medals. Great. I do. I did enjoy that. <laughs> um, yeah, every year, I feel like, like and I, it's the same for NBA, it's the same for NRL, but like the season rolls around and the, the excitement, like you can go all summer or all win feeling nothing and then August comes back and you're like, yes, the season's back. Are you excited? Oh, yeah. I mean, I... Uh... It's difficult for me to compare because, you know, for the past 15 years until last year, my excitement level was essentially, you know, the same. And then last year it was through the roof. Uh, but yeah, and so this year I guess it's probably not as exciting as last year. Like, you know, getting back into the Premier League as a Leeds United fan was gigantic. And it's obviously, you're always going to have a little bit of a come down from that. But, but there is a similar level of excitement in the sense that I do feel like, we are we we're gonna impress a few people this year. Yeah, look, like for me, it never changes. It's always yeah, just like especially when we make these signings, which we haven't really, unless you count uh, Marcus Beninelli, like a third yeah. choice keeper. Um, I mean, you're then, about yeah. to break your transfer record, so I mean, I don't know if you can be too, but, but not but not official yet. So for, at this point, our marquee signing is a 30 year old third choice keeper from Fulham. So. Okay. <laughs> Uh, but also, full stands are back. That's cool. Uh, yeah. Um, it's quite funny. The, um, so the, the, the best goal that Leeds scored in that, um, promotion run two seasons ago was actually, uh, Luke Ayling scored this volley against Huddersfield and it was actually the last game where there were fans in the stands over there until, you know, the last yeah. game of, this season that just happened. So oh, there was like a like, week or two middle of the season that they had got came back. But like yeah. pretty much the lasting memory of um of having fans in the stands for Leeds fans is like that this amazing goal that basically was one of the catalysts for our promotion charge. So it'll be amazing to have a full Ellen Road. It obviously hasn't happened since then. Uh, it won't happen this weekend because they're playing away, but uh, the week <laughs> after that should be absolutely fantastic. And yeah, it's just look. It's I think we can all agree that like sports in general, apart from being able to hear swear words being said, there are no <laughs> benefits to empty stadiums, and it just does feel a little bit more bona fide when you've got that crowd noise. And I think I think that's probably a large part of the reason why away teams did so well last year. Uh, yeah. And it'll be interesting to see if that trend uh, is reversed a little bit. I'm sure it will yeah. be. It was a cool novelty for like the first like the first match day when you could actually hear stuff happening, and then it was like, ah, I'm kind of over this. Mm. Like, just hearing the amount of communication. And it's always a shock, like, because even if you, like, go to Sports Live, you can't really tell. Yeah. But then you're like, yeah, obviously the microphones pick up everything, and just hearing, like, all these communications, it's really great. I remember um, the New York Knicks, or sorry, the ESPN did a broadcast a few years ago when they actually didn't have commentary for, like, a and they just made it, like, a 60s style, and they got, like, roasted, so it never came back. Yeah, because um, yeah, they went to like, tell what was on the court, and it was just yeah, it was a bit weird. But I mean, I know specifically for Stanford Bridge. I don't know if it's the same across the league. It probably is pretty similar. You have to be able to go. You have to prove that you've either got the vaccine or a negative test within forty eight hours. Yeah, obviously yeah. Their, their vaccine's a lot more um, accessible than here. <laughs> I guess no shit. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's obviously a no brainer at this point. I don't know exactly which. I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't know which stadiums are enforcing that. Um, but you know, it, it's a great initiative and I assume we're going to have something similar next year in, in rugby league and in AFL and in other sports. So maybe even in the cricket over the summer. I don't know, but, um, I think that's an interesting thing for Australia to keep an eye on in terms of effectiveness. And it's probably a strategy that I think we should, uh, 
should employ ourselves um, later on when we do have crowds back at sporting events. But honestly, mate, who knows when that will be? Yeah. No, and obviously the accessibility is the key argument because even like if you ignore the vaccine part of it, even those off-the-shelf tests that they have over there, it takes like, no, they're free. And you just like rock up to a pharmacy and get one and it takes like 24 hours or whatever to come through. So obviously it'll be good. It's good to see them promoting it, um, obviously. And it's good to see, you know, people incentivized in this sort of way, you know, if you want to watch your football team again, go get the vaccine. Yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty straightforward. Um, uh, what's the word? Uh, ultim- uh, um, ultimatum. Uh, if you want yes. to go watch football, get vaccinated. And look, we're both vaccinated. So do you want to go? Like, we can. Yeah, we can go. Let's just fly over. <laughs> well, you can half go. I can go. Oh, yeah, I can half go. I got four more weeks to my second shot. So very exciting. Yes. It's kind of um, annoying. Like I, like, no, but the, literally the day we went was the day they decided to make it six weeks instead of two or three, whatever it was. So, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, like, you got Pfizer as well, and that was, yeah, three weeks. Mm. Oh. All right. Um, football. Let's not, let's not get too Norman Swan into this. Yes, football. Um, the top four. Yeah. Like, just first of all, like, without any preparation, off the top of your head, I want to top four prediction now that I'll hold Why are you implying that I haven't prepared for this? Um, but anyway, yeah, right. <laughs> I, I, I have prepared for this. I know you're I think, a busy man right now. Um, yeah, look, it's hard, but I think it, it's kind of boring. I think it will be the same top four as last year, but I think the order will be different. I think Chelsea will be second. I think Manchester United will be fourth. Uh, Liverpool third. Man City, I assume, will win the league in a canter again. I know that's boring to say. I see that... I, look, I just... Look, Leicester, you know, I think they'll be there or thereabouts again in terms of pushing into the top four. But I think this is finally going to be the year where Jamie Vardy takes a step backwards. I don't know a whole lot about the new signings at Pats and Dacca. He's good on FIFA this year, but, you know, I don't know a whole lot about him. Um, and then you look at Tottenham. If Harry Kane's still there, maybe it's different. But without Harry Kane, they're not going to be anywhere near the top four. I think West Ham caught lightning in a bottle a little bit last year. I think they'll regress slightly. I think Leeds will probably be better, and I think Arsenal will probably be better as well. But I don't think either of the teams will be better enough that they can that they can um, find their way into the top four. So yeah. uh, it's boring, I know, but it's just, I think it'll be the same top four as last year, just in a different order. But I think Manchester City will comfortably no, repeat as champions. I 100% agree with the the group. Um, I think the only change I'd make from that is probably uh, Man United third, Liverpool fourth, but. Like, really, it's just, you know, you're arguing over who's not going to win, so. Yeah, pretty much. But, yeah, like, Man City haven't lost anyone of real note from last year, and then you just go and add Jack Realish, and it's like, well, like, what are we doing here? Um, yeah, but exactly. I was going to, yeah, so I was going to say, like, so interestingly, you brought that up. So, like, you actually do think Man City have separated themselves again, then, because it's always the thing. <laughs> like, the, the team that wins, there's always, like, this sense of, I guess, you know, everyone else, like, the arms race, catching up to them. But then... Well, like, you know, the danger is obviously like, the complacency. <laughs> well, look, they, they didn't even need Jack Grealish, but they got no, him anyway. Not. And then, <laughs> um, like, they're still, look, I, I will be pretty surprised if he's, if, and respect to Daniel Levy for digging his heels in, but they're really going hard for Harry Kane. And if they get Harry Kane, I think they could end up breaking the points record. They'll be that much better than everybody else. Even without him, though, I think they're definitely going to win the league. Um, they just, the issue is that it's not like Liverpool where, they got a couple of injuries to their defenders last year, and it really affected how they played. Yeah. And also, I think Liverpool's first team, 11, is as strong as Man City's possibly. But the issue is the depth, which yeah. they don't have, that Manchester City have in abundance. I think Manchester City's second team would go close to challenging to the t- for the top four. So, with that in mind, like, yeah, look, it's, just, it's, it's them and the rest. But I will say this. I think that now that Chelsea have themselves a proper manager and an actual striker if they get Lukaku over the line. Given how they finished last year, I think that there's a lot to be excited about from their point of view. I think defensively they were fantastic in the back half of last year, and I think that Lukaku there with Werner either playing out wide or on the bench, or I don't know how Tuchel's going to set it up, but yeah, look, that that's a scary proposition as well. And perhaps if everything goes right for one of Liverpool or Chelsea, maybe they could put some sort of title challenge on. But I think for that to happen, A, Harry Kane needs to not go to Manchester City, and B, pretty much the entirety of both Liverpool and Chelsea's teams need to stay healthy. Yeah, and it's like you say over the line. Like I think it's pretty much done. He had to stop in Monaco for a few photos of paperwork and you know, God knows what else. Um, 
But it's the thing about Chelsea and like yeah, Lukaku coming in, he's obviously going to like because I think what they lacked last year and like Giroud for what like it wasn't the same, obviously, but it's mm. like that physical yeah, like the presence that because if you think of like Havertz and Werner and Ziyech and Pulisic and all those guys, they're not really like they can pretty easily get bullied out of games and all that. So having that that focal point there just allows everyone else to feed and run off. And it's why Giroud and um, Havertz worked so well towards the end of the season, or Giroud and anyone, really. Um, yeah. Even, like, Eden Hazard is quoted as saying he loved playing with Giroud just because of the way he brought, like, the other guys into the game. And I think Lukaku can kind of replicate that just with, you know, the added mobility and athleticism and, you know, everything good that Giroud does, just, like, ten times better. Um, the, the issue I have with... Tuchel and Chelsea is that because they play five at the back, well, the wing back, sorry, they cut out an attacking slot. So you have like all this talent, like fighting for spots. And it's a good problem to have, but it's, you're like trying to fit like effectively five or six guys into maybe three spots. Yeah. And, that he, and that's not even including Mason Mount, who's definitely going to be in there somewhere. You just don't know where he like, might have to shove him out wide just to get him in. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they set it all up, but you're right. It's a good problem to have. And, Depth is so, and it's just so difficult to have like good quality depth anymore, just purely because there are so many, like sort of, I guess, appetizing alternatives for people to want to go and play football for. Like, yes, Bernardo Silva's been linked with Spurs because he doesn't want to sit on the bench at Manchester City anymore, which is entirely fair enough. But you know, like if you are the third or fourth choice at one of the top clubs, ten even ten years ago, I don't think you really had that many options. Whereas I think now you do. Um, and because of that, it's just really, really hard to have the depth that Manchester City do and, and that Chelsea are trying to get. Um, but I guess throwing boatloads of money at anyone that who'll, who'll take it is, is one way to sort of rectify that. Well, even like last year, it was probably easy to, oh, sorry, uh, 10 years ago, so easy to have the depth because obviously with the TV deals and all that sort of stuff, you know, the money's not flattened out, but you know, everyone's got more of it. So yeah. where, where 10 years ago, you might have been like had this, this guy who was like a, a walking star for like 14 of the Premier League teams, but because he's on like, I don't know, 150k a week or whatever, like no one can afford that, and he's obviously yeah. not going to go down. But now everyone can afford it, so it's sweet as. And you can exactly, get like, yeah, totally. You can get like Aston Villa who like can pay 30 million for Leon Bailey because they sold Jack Grealish for a, a billion pounds. And then like, yeah, exactly. I mean, like yeah, I reckon like yeah, the starting eleven for like City now probably is worth the same as like the bottom ten from last season. Sure. Combined, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, on a wage pyramid. If you chuck them all together, Jesus. Yeah, well, no, yeah, I mean it's it's a huge problem. I don't know if it'll ever really be solved, but the the I you're right about the money flattening out, and that is really the only thing that's really stopping these leagues from becoming you know like. The Liga, for example, I know they didn't win it last year, but they're going to win it this year, and they've won it most of the other years that since the takeover. <laughs> but that's really the only uh, thing that's stopping it is that is the, the sort of um, flattening yeah. out of the TV money. And, and look, and then, then you even look outside the traditional top four. There's teams that players that are destinations, whether it's because of the heritage of the club or the coach or anything else. There's just there's a lot more options for players, and I think that apart from Manchester City winning, I think. In the last couple of years, um, it's been a lot more wide open in terms of the rest of the table. Oh, dead set. Like, and I think I raised this the other day. Like, you know, you say PSG won't win the league. Like, uh, they think they're an attacker short, just quietly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like, obviously the messy sweepstakes. Um, and then, like, not realistically, but the fact that, like, there's three or four Premier League clubs who, like, can even make the call. Whereas if you, like, in other leagues, it's like, well, I mean, if you want to come here, feel free, but we can't afford you. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, both Manchester, like, Man City, like, you've got, like, Gabriel Jesus, who's a 20-goal-a-year striker, who probably is third choice? Yeah, like, yeah, probably. I don't know. Um, Raheem Sterling might not play every week. Phil Foden might not play every week. Um, you know, their defenders, they've got, I don't know who they've got anymore. This, yeah, it's, it's a bit embarrassing for, like, it is. It, it's it's just silly, and this is the problem that every year. It, well, I think this is the first season in like the last six or seven where Guardiola hasn't just broken the transfer record for a defender because yeah. they finally kind of got it right this year. But the, you know the amount of money they've spent on their back four, especially, it's been absolutely embarrassing in the last few years. 
And yes, it is, you know, it's, it's pretty grossly unfair to everybody else, but this is just unfortunately the, the, the playing field that we're on. I do like how they spend, um, excuse me, they spend money on Mendy, they spend money on Cancelo, and then like they end up, you know, starting Zinchenko and it it, it still works. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. A repositioned centre midfielder is better than like multiple of the fullbacks they spent 50 million pounds on. Great. (laughs) I could have got Ben Chilwell. True, that's true. But yeah, look, I think yeah, pretty straightforward. I'll be I'll be mildly surprised if they don't win the league. Yeah, it would take I guess, you know, and obviously there's the whole oh it's not one on paper and all that, but it's it's gonna take a real Murphy's Law type of yeah, season. Yeah, I agree. Which kinda of like and look, even if they have let's say they had the exact same season that Liverpool had last year, like injury wise, um so like Edison gets injured for a period of time and then I don't know, whoever you call their best centre-back, like Ruben Dias gets injured and, you know, they, they shuffle these guys in and out. Like Liverpool, yeah, they got affected because they ended up having to play, like, Nico Williams and Harvey Elliott and, like, all these young guys, big minutes. But City, they'll just plug another Galactico in there. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's... Like, they could have the same season as Liverpool last year and just not that nigh. So, yeah, I'd yeah. be very... I'd be... Uh, yeah, I'd be surprised if they didn't win. Um, I did also want to briefly say, I thought it was funny that um the PSG director... Said, yeah, we we obey FFP. Of course we do. Like when, like during the the press conference about Messi, you're like, oh come on, mate. Yeah. Uh, well, well, hey, they didn't spend any money on you know trans uh, tr- uh, transfer fees. They're just going to spend like a trillion dollars on wages. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I'm um, someone I know who's a Wigan fan. I should have come to Wigan, and I was like, what are they going to offer him? Like twenty pounds a week and a Greg's gift card. It is interesting, right? It's like, um. It's just tough. It's like, I don't really know how you analyze, like, uh, just looking at PSG and looking at, like, Guardiola as well, and just, I don't really know how you can analyze how great a team is when there's no challenge for them. Like, all Pep does is go to the the most cash-rich team in whatever league he joins and spend a trillion dollars on, on players. And, yeah, you win the league every now and again, but you've never won, you haven't won the Champions League since you and Messi were separated, and, like... They've probably underachieved, I think, and it's not like he did anything with Bayern Munich that, you know, your Pikes didn't do as well. Or that, you know, uh, Roberto Mancini or Manuel Pellegrini didn't do at Man City. So, and, and now you sort of apply that same logic to Messi, where he goes from being at Barcelona, where a large part of why they were good was because of him. But let's face it, he did play with two of the greatest midfielders of all time for the vast majority of his career, not to mention guys like Gerard Piquet, Jordi Alba, you know, plenty Puyol. of others, Neymar, Suarez, Puyol, like, Ronaldinho. amazing players. But, and maybe, and I know it's the wages, but it's like, how much money is enough for you? Like, if you really wanted to test yourself, why wouldn't you go and join a team, like, one of the better teams in a league, sure, but, like, go to, like, Arsenal or, you know, Borussia Dortmund or, and I knew this was never going to happen, or, like, Milan, all right, or... One of these teams that is like pretty good, but Messi, being the transcendent talent that he is, might be able to push them to greater heights. And I don't. And yeah, I get he wants to win Champions Leagues, but like it's just going to be so boring just watching them put eight goals past Brest every weekend. You know. (laughs) Yeah, I reckon he he could probably just have to Perth Glory do a job there. Probably, yeah, I think so. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I don't watch a lot of like outside APL stuff anyway, and I like. Partly due to accessibility, but also, yeah, just, like, when the results are decided 90% of the time, it's like me and I roll this year, similarly. So it's like, well, I mean, I might watch highlights, but, you know, I'm not going to be on the edge of my seat watching, yeah, PSG versus, you know, Toulouse. If they're even in League One anymore, I don't even know. Ah, uh, who cares, mate? It's not important. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you obviously said, that, yeah, there's, the, there's a pretty set top four, we think, and I feel like I know your answer to this one, but a Dark Horse top four challenger. Well, Leeds aren't going to be in the top four, I don't think. I would be delighted if they were, but um, I think that is probably a bridge too far. I think there's still a couple of players away. Um, yeah. If if you had to ask, like, do Leicester count as a Dark Horse, given that I was they were... Say, I don't think like, so. I don't really think they do, and yeah, I also don't think there. they'll be better than Leeds this year anyway. So um, it's hard, right? In a league that's so top-heavy... Think of a dark horse because, like, would Arsenal making the top four really be a dark horse? 
I would say they'd be more they... of a dark horse than Leicester, yes. Okay, maybe, but I don't, uh, anyway, I don't think they will. No. So, <laughs> and Tottenham, if they keep Harry Kane, maybe. But again, I don't really know if that's a dark horse, given they were, what, one or two results away from doing that last year. Uh, and I'm not brave enough to pick someone like West Ham doing what West Ham did last year. So, I don't really know if there is one, but I, I, I would say that the best of the rest is probably going to be Leicester or Leeds. Not including that traditional top six. Uh, yes. Yeah, like... There's always, like, one team or two teams, like, a couple of teams that were surprised, like West Ham last year, um, you know, Leicester, obviously, oh. now. They've, they've gone from surprise to expected. I, I mean, I would... Usually there, thereabouts. I think that's probably a better discussion, is talking about which of the other 16 or so teams we think will be better or worse than the consensus. So, I think that... I'm just going to pull up the EPL, the you know, the handicap ladder they do, like, with the betting, um, like, with the points thing, you know what I'm talking about? I don't, but go on. You're not? Oh, so no. every year the Premier... They'll release a betting market, and it'll be like... Um, it'll be like... Um, like, Manchester City will be Manchester City, right? Yeah. And then the next the next one will be, like, Manchester United minus six, uh, plus six, or... And then, like, Liverpool plus nine, and then it'll so go all the way down... margin of points on the ladder. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, last year, for example, I think West Ham would have won it comfortably, because they would yeah. have been towards the bottom... Yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, they ended up sixth. So, and, you know, in years, but like, obviously Leicester in 2016 won that <laughs> by an absolute <laughs> mile. But uh, if I'm, I'm just trying to find one of those real quick. Sportsbet doesn't seem to have one this year. I'm uh, trying to find. Probably won a couple of years ago. I'm trying to find one on a UK website right now, but it's pretty much more difficult than I thought it was going to be. Um, <laughs> all right. I found it. So. No, this is last year's one. Oh, this is a nightmare. But look, <laughs> assuming Brighton aren't going to be very good, um, I think they're going to surprise a lot of people. I think that they are a team that... Um, I think they're a team that um, uh, really underachieved last year. And I think if you watch Brighton play, uh, a lot of their issues stem from just being able to put the ball in the net. And I know that sounds simple enough. But... <laughs> it's a key issue, yeah. All right, I found it. Thank God. All right, so I found that on Betfair. So Manchester City are zero. And then you've got uh, Chelsea and Liverpool are both plus eight. So that kind of indicates that the consensus kind of agrees with us. Then Manchester United are plus nine. And then next is Tottenham plus 21, Arsenal plus 22, uh, Leicester plus 19, Leeds plus 28. Oh, there you go. Brighton are only plus 32. So that's not as long as I thought it would be. They're only just behind Leeds. So I think someone who's going to underachieve, though, is Aston Villa. So they're expected to be about as good as Everton and Leeds. And I think they'll be much worse than that. I think they're... Form last year without Jack Grealish was abysmal. And I think they that he... I know they've made a couple of nice signings with Ings and um, Buendia, but there's not, like... And they're great players, but Jack Grealish is a level above those guys. And they really, really struggled without him. And on top of that, I don't really understand what... I think Ings is better than Ollie Watkins, but they've already got... They can't, they're not going to play both of them. Or if they are, one of them is going to be being played out of position. So... It's tough, and I don't know a whole lot about Leon Bailey from um, Leverkusen. I know he's fast on FIFA, but yeah. So I I think they might struggle a bit. They're not going to get relegated, but I think they will start poorly as a result of not having Grealish anymore and trying to, uh, what's the word, um, uh, what's the word, uh, acclimatise their new sidings to their system. Um, so I can't see them being sort of around 10th or 11th like they were this year. I think they'll be uh, a bit further down the line. I don't think they'll be relegated, though. Um, I did want to, yeah. Villa's an interesting one, I think, because, and it was the same with Tottenham when they all left. It's it's that old, you know, how do you spend the windfall? Um, yeah. And yeah, yeah, bringing in a bunch of guys that sound nice is, you know, it's nice in theory, but then yeah, the on the flip side, you know, you're replacing, you know, the best player you've had in the last ten years or so, um, and yeah, you know, the system changes entirely. You know, a bunch of you guys in a new league who haven't played there before. You know, big price tags to live up to expectations. And yeah. you know, Tottenham are still recovering from it almost. Um, like, you know, they haven't gone and spent like 30 million on Paulinho and... Well, I, yeah, like yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> so I, I'm looking at that thing now and I look at a team like Crystal Palace at plus 41. I think that's a yep. team that might be better than that. I, I think that... I mean, Joachim Anderson was pretty much Fulham's only decent defender last year. They got him in from Leon on a permanent after he was on loan at Fulham last year. Yeah, yeah. Connor Gallagher, I think, is a really good player. And he one that Le- I was 
I was hoping we would get him, so I'm upset that he's gone there. But I, I after the Ben White experience, I didn't want to go through another catching feelings for a lone player again. So <laughs> I, I was, it was either full transfer or nothing. So I'm kind of glad we didn't get him on a loan. And Nathaniel Klein, you know, he's a warm body, but he's he's been around this league for quite a while. They haven't lost anyone on the flip side that's particularly good. They lost Andros Tanzan, but I've always, I've never been a fan of his. I think he's massively overrated. Yeah, they lost um, a few. They lost, yeah, they lost. Like, they lost a few of those very Crystal Palace type players, yes, didn't they? Ben like Patrick Arnhold, Van Arnholt, Wayne <laughs> Hennessy, Mamadou Sacco, James McCarthy, Gary Cahill. My God, I mean, I thought Gary Cahill retired after Rafinha nutmegged him in that game last year, but I think that I'm not convinced about Vieira as a manager. But it's clear that having someone of his stature as a player is enough to sort of entice people to want to go there. And yes, yeah, I think that they might be a little bit better than expected. Uh, on the flip side, I think this is finally the year that we say goodbye to Burnley. Oh. <laughs> no, that, mate, they just, like, what? There, there should be no tears shed for this anti-football bullshit. And I, and I have had to deal with this rhetoric since Marcelo Bielsa came to Leeds about proper football men who know the league and blah, 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 blah. And it just does my head in. No one wants to watch this shit. And Burnley, like, no one wants to watch their players, like, feigning for free kicks and rolling around on the ground just so they can, get a set piece 40 metres out and lump it up to Chris Wood and one of their other giant freaks. No one wants to watch it. They're shit. And I really, really hope they go down this year. I'm just, <laughs> I, what, does a single person find any joy watching Burnley unless it's a team you hate being frustrated by them? Uh, McNeil's all right. Yeah. I'm surprised he's still there, to be honest. He's a good player. But, um, um, Burnley also, also Burnley a soft spot in my heart. The, uh, the first Premier League hat-trick for Christian Pulisic. So, a Burnley oh, hat-trick. Okay, okay. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Fantastic. Hey, how often does a 5-8 winger score a perfect hat-trick? Uh, I'd say maybe never, almost never. So yeah, exactly. fair point. Um, but yeah. Burnley have Wayne Hennessy now. So. Yeah, they've signed no one of note. Uh, yeah. they didn't really lose anyone. They basically just got the same team they had last year. I think. Robbie Brady. Yeah, they, yeah. they can. They can go away. That's fine. Uh, I, I, I know you haven't asked me. Oh, mate, he's rubbish. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm tr- trying to look at the other two. I mean, we just assume Norwich goes straight back down, right? That's what Norwich do. Yeah. Um, yes. Like, they come up, then they go down. Then they come up, then they go down. They, they That's just what Norwich do. So I think, I think yeah, I think he, I'm thinking Norwich, Burnley, and I'm just looking at so I think Southampton are in a bit of trouble, don't you think? They're always, they're an odd one. They're always in trouble and they always do just enough. They're a real dick advocate team. Yeah, I think them and Wolves might be closer to the bottom than people think. Right, I've just, I've got the uh, the signing tracker. Yeah. Yeah, open in front of me. I'm having a look. Like, Southampton are like, um, uh, Crystal Palace have just loaded up on Chelsea youth, which, you know, for someone who, like, for everyone who says, you know, Chelsea don't give their youth a chance, like, the other teams really seem to love buying them. Yeah, so that's a fair point. Um, that, yeah. Well, yeah, I thanks for the little <laughs> Yeah, I mean, sure. Um, I don't know anything about Dinel Simeu, but Livermento was Chelsea's young player of the year last year, he, which is obviously okay. he's, a, he's a fullback. Oh. Um, he's, a, he's a left. Well, well, look, I think he's a right back. Yeah. I mean, they lose, they, they lose a lot of their goals with Danny Ings. Ryan Bertrand's gone. There's still talk they're going to lose James Ward-Prowse. I think they'll be close to the bottom. And look, guns to my head right now. Um, oh no, Watford. What am I talking about? Yeah, Southampton might survive. I forgot. I forgot about Watford. They, they, I don't think, will be offering too much. No, and uh, Southampton also brought in Chelsea's young, the uh, hot striker prospect Armando Broja. So nice, Broja. I'm out of say. Okay. He's on loan. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, yeah. Uh, I know you hadn't asked for my relegated teams yet, but I think that's. I think that <laughs> is. The, that's, that's my right. three: Watford, Watford, Burnley, and Norwich. I think it's Southampton. Southampton will be hovering around that that area as well, though. Yeah, it's all part of the same discussion. We don't do we don't do structure here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, Brighton. It all depends on you know they finally got rid of Potterball, so yeah. Yeah. Hopefully they can actually score some goals. You know, as controversial as that sounds. Um. But yeah. Look, there's always like two out of the three promoted teams. You can just cancel straight back into go straight back down, and then. You know, Wolves losing pretty much their entire identity with Nuno leaving. You've got, like, all these Portuguese guys. It's like, well, what do we do now? Well, it's strange, isn't it? And it's like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure where they go from here. I think that it's it's kind of run its course, and they're just going to be floating near the bottom, but not totally bottoming out. What do you think about Brentford? I think they might be all right. Brentford are... 
I know nothing about Brentford, to be honest, except that they're also in London, and we nearly lost them in the League Cup a few years ago. All right, but, so I've watched a lot of... Um, I watched obviously watched a lot of Brentford two years ago and a fair bit of them last year. Um, yeah. They, aside from Leeds, played the best football in the championship um, that year. And I think from what I watched from last year, they were pretty nice to watch again. I think they've got a clear philosophy with their coach, Thomas Frank. They've got a brand new stadium that they moved into last year. Um, That's good for them. I think they're going to be okay. And look, I think they're a team like Leeds in the sense that they're not particularly reliant on the players themselves. It's more the system that they play. Um, so I think they should comfortably survive. I don't think they'll be pushing for the top half or anything like that, but I think they'll be in that sort of 12th to 15th range. Yeah, and I'm going to sound like such a plastic here, but I'm looking at their squad, and the only person I've heard of is Ivan Tony because he... <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, Miles Perth-Harris is another Chelsea youngster. So... Oh, good. Mate, oh, the league is littered with them. Your ability to make every team about Chelsea is, is quite impressive. I'm just trying to... People that I recognise. Who is Shandon Baptiste? It's a cool name, but I don't know who you are. It's a great name. Um, Rico well, yeah, they, they didn't cool do it. Well, no, but the other thing I like about what Brentford have done is the same as um, it's the same as Leeds in the sense that when they got promoted, they didn't go crazy. Just like Watford have signed like seven hundred players or something like just the same sort of shit level. Like you know, uh, what's like the like like the Wayne Wayne Routledges of the world. They just signed like ten of those, and it's just like you just never learn. Like they've signed Ashley Fletcher, Danny Rose. Josh King, like all these guys that are just yeah. like, ugh, like whatever. Brentford have largely kept together their team from last year. And I think that is really a much better way to do it. Sheffield United did the same thing before it all fell apart in their second season. Yeah, but, that was just a disaster year. Um, yeah, but worked, look. Worked one year. Yeah, look, I think, I think Brentford will be, I look forward to watching them and I hope they do all right. Because again, I just want teams that play nice football to stay in the league. Because... It's just better for us neutrals to watch, right? Like, I don't think that should be... That shouldn't be a com- controversial statement. Well, uh, well, you can't come on here and say stuff like that. Why? You cannot come on here and say shit like, I want to watch good football. How dare Sorry, you? yeah, yeah. It's, I, I'd much prefer Newcastle. You will enjoy your pure sport and you will like it. Have we talked... We haven't talked about Newcastle at all, have we? <sighs> Did we have to? I actually forgot they existed. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just... Didn't even know where are they on this plus forty one. Okay, so I was gonna say, it, like, I as I was because today I was looking at, I was just scrolling through the list of signings, you know, preparing, and I came to Newcastle and they've signed three blokes who I assume are youth prospects from other teams, and I was like, yep, sounds about right. Yeah, look, they're um they're crap. Uh, they might survive because Saint Maximin might win them a couple of games by himself, but yeah, well, they've um, still got Joel Linton, which is. You know. God, he's he's awful, isn't he? <laughs> I get behind him, but yeah, maybe maybe he'll improve. But yeah, they find absolutely no one. They haven't really lost anyone of note either, though. So they've largely kept their squad the same. They've lost former Chelsea youth prospect Carl Scott. Please stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I haven't heard of any of these other guys. Left. Oh, Lejeune is he's alright. I mean, yeah, but he was yeah, whatever. He's, 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 it's a name. One body. Yeah, I mean, he was in their team last year, but he's a thirty-year-old centre back who was like where. Yeah. They've just yeah they've just they've trimmed the edges really um, yeah pretty much nothing to get excited about um, I like that you're at second year teams but um, there's no uh, there's no West Brom and there's no um, uh, who else got promoted last year I don't even remember it um, was oh, I've, I've blanked now thanks no it's not I uh, uh, the um um wait, I've got the ladder open in front of me no it was Fulham so there aren't any second year team the second year team because two no, of them no, went I straight realized this, I realised two of them went straight back <laughs> down um, um it's just yeah. Leeds United who yeah yes because I, I okay yeah obviously there's a, always a honeymoon period for the first year and I yeah it, it's weird because with newly promoted sides 99% of them you go into the season and their expectations are survive. Yeah, it's like it's like the the upper limit of what they're aiming for. I feel like the discourse around Leeds last year was a bit more. Yeah, you know, everyone knew they were probably one of the better promoted sides in recent history yeah. to come up think, just from a, a pure skill, a skill perspective and a you know a talent perspective. Only so, the very dumbest of people thought Leeds were going to go straight back down. Like there was, people asked me and I said. Like, if you'd asked me to bet my life on whether they'd finish top 10 or not, I probably would have said yes to top 10. And they just did it in the end. But no, yes. there's not, there was no, not a single Leeds fan I spoke to last year had any, uh, any concerns at all about being relegated. 
some obviously got a bit above their station, like, oh, we could get into Europe and all that stuff. Well, that was probably a bit too far, but yeah, no one thought they were going to go down. I mean, well, no, no one who's watched this yeah. team could think that that's possible, just purely because of the way they play. It's just so much better than so many of these turgid teams that are beneath them, and it's... And I think it'll be more of the same. They, they, the, the, the position of need was left back. They got Junior Firpo from Barcelona. That's pretty much their only major signing. They haven't got anyone else. Like, Lewis Bade will play in the 23s to start with. Uh, I would have liked a central midfielder, but, you know, whatever. It, it just didn't work out. It just didn't work out that way. And so, they're left with a squad that's pretty similar to last year and a squad that understands the job. It's been basically the same team for three and a half years now for Biel. So, like, he hasn't really, there's still a, a bunch of guys in this team that were there when he managed his first game at the start of the 2019-20 season. So yeah. it's like, um, oh, sorry, the 2018-19 season, I should say. So, um, yeah, look, they, they, they've they've locked in Harrison on a permanent deal from Man City, but he's been on loan for three years now. So it's like yeah. he's already basically a part of the team. So the only signings, the only first-team signing they've made so far is Furpo to play left-back. I would have liked another midfielder, but it's all right. But he also doesn't like big squads and... It's, 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 I just think it'll be more of the same. I mean, there's not really, people know what they're getting with leads, right? It's not a matter of figuring them out. Like, it takes five right. seconds to figure them out, but it's, it's stopping it that's the issue. And, um, yeah, I think that it will be, um, yeah, look, I, I would not be shocked if they scraped into Europe this year, but I think they'll finish in a similar spot to where they were this year, around eighth or ninth. Yeah, you could have used maybe a Chelsea youth product like Conor Gallagher. Right? Yeah, well, I mean, yes, I wanted him, but yeah, not on a loan. <laughs> well, well, no, you were never going to get him then. Um, yeah, like I'm looking through this, the, the ins and outs, and yeah, like, you know, Alioski played a lot, but yeah, I mean, he's replaceable. Um, Pablo Hernandez is a legacy one, but, and like, it's, it's always... It's I always mean, he barely, he barely played. Yeah, I know, but, you know, he's still... It's sad, but at least he got his send-off in front of the fans in the last game last year. So, Yeah. Um, like, yeah, what I was going to say is the thing with Leeds coming up last year is what a lot of these teams that come up, their issue is always going to be scoring against Premier League defences. Mm. Not when you have a former Chelsea player, Patrick Bamford. Uh, he wasn't a youth prospect, though, so I don't care. I said player, not youth prospect. Yeah, I know, but like, I only care about youth prospects. Uh, all right. You know, Chelsea fans have an odd kink for youth prospects. Just trying, um, to, bond, just trying to bond with you, but you... All right. <laughs> yeah. Um, you've lost my... You've knocked me off now. Um, Rattled yeah. you. Scoring yeah, in the Premier League. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, so Leeds was never going to be outscoring. It's the other way for them. But, like, you know, at least when you're in, like, a shootout against half of these shithouse teams, you will probably win. Whereas if you cannot score, you know, then it's it's going to be a lot harder to stay up. And, you know, Leeds coming up with one of the better strikers, at least if you're looking at best of the rest teams in Bamford, you know, a pretty settled, cohesive midfield with, you know, Phillips and and Click and all those guys. Um, and a, Stuart Dallas, mate, a player of the year last year. Yeah, and, like, not a not an elite defence by any stretch, considering, you know, that, you know, it's considered a lot of goals still, but that's more style of play as much as anything. Um, but, yeah, like... Heightened expectations for a promoted team. So I guess now it's probably that you've got less less rope, I would say. But I mean, yeah, it, it's I'd say there's still a comfortable gap. Like there's yeah. not going to be any realistic relegation battle unless something goes terribly wrong. Yeah, look, I'd be yeah, it would require a lot of injuries, I think. Um, yeah, but those other second year teams, yeah, I didn't realize when I wrote that. I'll just, <laughs> I was they just are already I was on, gone. I was on autopilot. Um, and yeah, we've already kind of spoken about the best team, uh, the best chance of staying up is yeah. probably Brentford. For the, yeah, for the same, yeah, I, I would say so. The same logic, I guess, as Leeds last year. Yeah, I agree. I think that's pretty straightforward. Uh, I'd be reasonably surprised if they weren't the best of the three promoted teams this year. So you, you reckon, I guess, from that same logic again, then like Ivan Tony, um, is a better striker than what a lot of the other shit heaps can. I think he's in a better team for a start, but um. Yeah, look, yes, I'd say. I think he, Josh King is going to be the main man for Watford, I think. So he's better than him. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I would say so. And he will be, again, he'll have the benefit of playing in a team that will create chances for him, which Norwich might not do as much. So, 
And also, just, you know, uh, Brentford had three Danish guys, number 28, 29, and 30, who are all called Mads. So, oh, well, that's good. Uh, I'm, I'm in. I'm okay, in. good. I mean, you know, London and all that. Um, signings. We've touched yep. on it a little bit, but, you know, there's been a, not as many, I guess, big transfers across the league as in years gone past, but, you know, hmm. just who, who do you think is the most, going to be the most influential signing for their team? Uh, influential. So Ben White will make Arsenal better. No doubt about that. He's a fantastic defender. Whether Arteta has what it takes to get the most out of him, I'm not sure. Um, Rafael Varane's obviously a fantastic player coming from Real Madrid for Man United. Jaden Sancho as well. But again, I just feel like there's just question marks over the management there. They always have a squad to compete for a title. And I know they've came second last year, but they weren't serious title challenges. And I'm not sure. I, I find it weird the lack of scrutiny Ole Gunnar Solskjaer gets it, but you know, <laughs> considering we'll, uh, yeah, yeah, considering, considering the amount of money they spend Solskjaer, on wages and players Rafferty as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Lukaku is kind of the answer almost by default because that's look. I mean, a lot of a lot was made of Timo Werner's struggles last year, and rightfully so. He, he was not great, but in Lukaku you get a guy who's proven to have done it in the Premier League, and he will thrive on the services provided to him. Um, I think he could, if Chelsea are to make some sort of ham-fisted charge at the title, I think he'll be a large contributor to that. You even look at, you know, by, you know, even without having an actual proper number nine target kind of guy who yeah. can cross the ball into the box, they still did that anyway last year. But the yeah. thing is, and like Ben Chilwell and Reese James are, you know, they're an elite fullback pairing mm-hmm. and they can... And Reese James especially, he can cross on a dime for 90 minutes straight, no break. But it's a five foot eleven Timo Werner against you know a bunch of six foot four centre backs, and it's just never going to happen. Yeah. Um, and like that strategy works when it's Giroud. So yeah, by that token, if they're going to keep that three at the back with wing backs bombing down the flanks, then yes, it makes sense to have a, a big unit like Lukaku in the middle. Um. I did want to talk about Van Whiteberg because I know you obviously yes. would have. Was he there for one or two years at Leeds? One year on loan was the yeah. uh, the best centre back in the division when we got promoted. Um, really wanted to keep him. It was quite funny. Brighton refused to sell because they want to sell to a relegation rival, which uh, ended up. I mean, that aged pretty poorly for them. We finished <laughs> about thirty points above them, but um, yeah, that, but they made the right call because I think we offered at the most thirty million for him, and they ended up getting fifty for him from Arsenal. So. Great bit of business for them. He's a brilliant player. Um, just the type of ball-playing centre-back that Mikel Arteta needs if he wants to play the way he wants to play. Um, reads the game well. Obviously, a bit of English tax there with the fee, I'd imagine. But, yeah, yeah look, overall, a great, great signing for them. Um, and, you know, Arsenal are desperate for hope at this point. Like, yeah. And I do, look, I do hate the extent of which fans of the big clubs in inverted commas carry on when they are having like a bad year. Like I'm never going to feel sorry for like Arsenal fans. If you get me yeah. like that just won't happen. But um, I will uh, like, I will see that they have been underachieving and it must be frustrating for their fans to underachieve whilst teams that they deem to be their, you know, equals have been winning trophies and whatnot. So I think, White is a player that gives them hope for the future and one that they should be pretty excited to watch. So my my question about Ben White then is this. So obviously Arsenal's defensive struggles are fairly well documented. He's their only, unless I'm missing something, their only defensive reinforcement uh, coming in. Um, Does he do enough to bridge that gap to make them a... Like, by, by himself, like, he probably doesn't do enough to bridge that gap to make them a legitimate top four threat, at least. I think the problem... They had problems at both ends of this field last year, but I think scoring goals was an issue more for them than the other end. Like, like you take out David Luiz's brain farts and stuff, and I don't think they were that bad defensively. Like, you look at the end of the season now, they conceded fewer goals than... Um, they conceded fewer goals than all but Chelsea and Man City, which might surprise people. So... The issue for them hasn't been defence, and they've gotten better with Ben White. The issue is scoring goals. Like They scored less than Spurs, less than West Ham, less than Leicester, less than Leeds, uh, less than Chelsea. Yeah, they, they, were, they were equal ninth with Aston Villa for goals scored last year. That was their main problem. 
Um, but they did finish the year really, really strongly. Um, and yeah, so, so I guess, it, yeah, let mention. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Why would you? We were having <laughs> such a nice discussion. Okay, thanks for coming on. Yeah, go fuck yourself. <laughs> but, like, you know, like it, not momentum on the field, but, you know, like that, I guess, like you said, and I, I'll admit, I didn't know that they were that turgid in front of goal. Yeah. But, um, yeah, like, you know, you finish the season with a good run of results, and then you piggyback off that, at least in the hearts and minds of the fans, with a Ben White type signing who's, uh, he's quite young. I don't know how young he is exactly, but, you know, this, you know, potential 10 year player. Um, and there's hope again. And that's really all Arsenal fans have been able to have for the last, well, you know, yeah. seven, eight, seven, eight, nine years. Yeah. Pretty much ever since Van Persie left. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, pretty much. Now they, I think they'll be okay this year. I think they'll be close to the top six, so. And look, Arsenal, for all their faults, are very watchable. Yes, that is definitely true. Depending, like, if you're a fan of them, that like they'd score, like you know, they in the they're known for nice goals. If you're not a fan of them, they're for chaos. So, yeah, and the, yeah, I think I think they'll uh, they'll they'll improve on last year for sure. I think they'll find themselves back in Europe. So, um, yeah, interesting that we didn't bring up Jack Grealish just because there's, there's no influence. Well, there, we we talked about him briefly, but like, no, yeah, no, but, they're already the best team, signings, so it's like. Yeah. There's no influence yeah. there. Um, I'm really keen to see, like, for at least guys coming into the league, I'm really keen to see um, Sancho and how he does. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I'm looking forward it, to it. it. He's been, like, it's been three years now, I think, since the rumour mill started of, like, you know, who's going to yeah. get Yeah, I mean, and now they can finally just shut up about it. We'll see how good he is. I'm excited for that. Um, but, yeah. Again, yeah, I, just, I just... I just just don't get excited about players going to Manchester United. They're just so frustrating to watch a lot of the time. So. <laughs> no, but like, but obviously, like, I'm, Dortmund do a great job of like showcasing these young guys. Yeah, exactly. Um, yes. You know, we saw it with Pulisic. We've seen it with Haaland. Um, yeah. And Sancho. So you know, hopefully, he's as good as advertised. Um, it, it's a lot of pressure for a 20 year old kid to go to the like. Let's be honest, the biggest club in the the league. Yeah. Um. You know, for that price tag, I don't, is he their record signing? I don't actually know. Uh, is what is Sancho a record signing for them? Yeah, no, Pogba would be right. Uh, it would be Pogba, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, I it's, it's definitely it's Paul Pogba. What am I? We don't. I don't think this up. It's Paul Pogba. Um, it was like ninety million or something, right? So yeah, I um, can't even find. Let's move on. Yeah. It's not Jaden Sancho. It's not, but it's still okay. a lot of money okay. on on him and. Varane. Um I did enjoy that. People talking about how Ben White costs more than Varane, but it's like, yeah, but you factor in the wages and yeah, <laughs> Varane's costing more. So and you're paying for potential with Ben White. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're paying for, for years. Yes, for sure. Yes. Um and we touched on it earlier as well, but the Jack Reelish money. Like the, yeah, the I mean, whatever, uh, man. Do you know Lukaku's now the most expensive footballer of all time? The combined fees, I did say that, yes. Yes. That's pretty crazy. But not that surprising, oh, yeah. is it? Uh, no, it's not. But I also find it hilarious that, you know, when Chelsea sold him the first time, you know, there's the sell-on fee, so we get, like, we're paying ourselves to get him back, effectively. <laughs> so it's, it's nice how that works. That is um, funny. Yeah, just, yeah, a little note. Um, You know, see if Villa spent the money right. Leon Bailey, I've heard of him. He, he's been, like, one of those promising guys. Kind of hasn't panned out. See how he goes. Wendy, I don't know if spending $38 million on a championship guy is the right move. But, again, we'll see. Yeah, it, it, there could be a lot of hurt with all that money going away. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you reckon the, the Euros will have any impact on at least the start of the season? Because obviously nah. all these guys will have come in with a shorter preseason. Nah, because remember the gap between the seasons last year was so small. Like, yeah, I think it'll be fine. I think there's the Euros was almost a month ago now, and you know there's only a few guys on each of these teams that. Um, we're still playing towards the, like, who was there? Like, like uh, who played in the final? Calvin Phillips, Jorginho, Emerson. Um, <laughs> hey, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, like, a couple of guys. Like, Chilwell didn't play, but he was there. You know, uh, was there, yeah, a few others. But, like, yeah. mostly, no. I, I don't think it will be. And then the Olympics. I mean, not many Premier League guys went to the Olympics. So no, I just noted it for, for complaints. Yeah, look, yeah. no, I don't, I don't think that's, I don't think that, will factor in I'd, uh, maybe your mental fatigue point about English players perhaps could be an issue but again I think these are professional footballers I think they'll come back stronger for that failure like, I don't think you can 
waste time getting bogged down about that a month later and particularly yeah. playing for a club side instead of, you know, England again. And if, and if anyone can bounce back, it is our king, Marcus Rashford. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, have you seen the rule interpretation change? Yes. Um, yeah. I think it's, I mean, it's, it's largely going to be what we saw in the Euros, right? Um, yeah. I think it's better. I think that, um, I think fewer penalties is a good thing, but at the same time, I think the main issue that I've always had with VAR and with penalties in general is like, we're still going to have this issue where guys get kicked and they don't go down and they don't get a free kick or a penalty. And that's yeah, the main, yeah. that's always been the problem for me. It's like, unless yeah. they dive, they don't get the call and it, VAR doesn't even look at it if they don't fall over. So yeah, it's like, so they've I, not I fixed have, that, yeah. but everything else I think is a step in the right direction. I think I, I would love, well, have they announced any changes to the offside thing yet? Because, um, so they're, they're talking about thicker lines. They're talking about the thicker lines, right? But I would I be happy with them means. to just. I mean, look, I honestly think, and I know this is not. People might disagree, but I think that if you if it's not obvious, then it's just play on. Because like, if you're an armpit offside, you're not gaining any sort of competitive advantage from that position. Like the offside rule was brought in to stop yeah. people from standing in front of the goal, like behind the defensive line. That's why yeah, it's there. So, it's not so, there. So when Patrick Bamford points for a pass into the box and then scores, they go, oh, well, actually, your bicep was offside because you pointed for the ball. So no goal. <laughs> like, that's not what it's for. And yeah. yeah, I really hope that we see less of that bullshit this year. So uh, one of the earlier episodes, I had a, a guy called Jake come on, American uh, Arsenal fan. So, you know. A couple of negative points on him, but other than that, nice guy. Um, yeah. He was he suggested to combat this, like instead of just the one line, have like the the line be a certain like a zone or a thickness type thing for both, and if they overlap, then you're fine. Like it's all, almost like a margin of error type measurement. Like, what do you think about that? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, there's never going to be a perfect way to do it, but I think there's a it can go a lot better to. But I feel like yeah. that would at least, you know, yeah. stop a lot of the toenail stuff and the, the eyelash stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah, like totally something would be like a one meter berth that you're given. And like, yeah, like I'm standing here and I'm offside, but I'm not offside because I'm allowed. But like, yeah. you know, if it's like, a, I don't know what a nominal measurement would be, but yeah, an overlap to get a bit of benefit of the doubt. Like, yeah, I don't know. Um, up, up, it's an offside. Yeah, the, the offside lines start. They say bottom of the armpit is now being classed as a part of the body. Um, the handball language has changed. Um, accidental handball and the build up to a goal will no longer be deemed an offense, but that's, you know, the build up. So it's still an offense if it actually creates the chance it scores. That seems like a level of subjectivity we don't need because there's always going to be cha- like things that you know, the line is blurred between the build-up and the, like, the chance. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, totally. Um, yeah. It, it seems like... I'm glad they're trying to... I hate... It, I don't want to talk about VAR anymore. Please. But, yes, <laughs> please make it better. It's just such a tedious um, and, topic. Yeah, and the penalty stuff you saw. Um, yeah. You, you mentioned already. Right. I don't know if you saw. I've, yes, I did. We've got a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah, good. How good the fellas yep. got around it. I uh, should have had this open before. Go me. Okay. First question comes from friend of ours, Justin. Where does Bunkart honestly think Leeds will finish? Uh, says sixth to ninth, somewhere in there. I'll just say, I think I said eighth or ninth before, but yeah, somewhere in that six to nine region, I think. Okay, Brendan asks, thoughts on Brentford making top six and Tony Golden Boot? <laughs> no and no, but I think they'll be pretty good and he'll score like 10, 10 to 12 goals. Uh, Edwin Smith, also known as the Social Sandwich. Uh, whom should I pick for my FPL draft? I know you don't do FPL. Um, no, uh, I don't know how it even works. So I don't, I don't know if he means just an FPL team or if he actually is doing a proper like draft style, you know, pick by pick thing. Um I've played FPL the last couple of years. I give up after about 15 weeks. But um, look, if it's a draft you, and, you get, and you have the first pick, you've got to pick Bruno Fernandes, I think. Seems like the most obvious. Yeah, all the, yeah, yeah. All the penalties I think so. Against. Yeah, I think um, De Bruyne yeah. probably up there. 
Uh, I don't uh, really know enough about fantasy, sorry. The, the key, uh, that's fine. Well, the key, like, and actually, you mentioned Stuart Dallas way earlier. He was one of the best players last year because he played a lot of midfield, but he was classified as a defender. Ah, so, so got like all the, the clean sheets and the goals sheets. and the assists. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, fair enough. So he was getting like averaging like eight, nine points, which is big, eight, nine points a game. Because, yeah, obviously a goal for a defender is like five points, then they get like max clean sheet points. Yeah, it's great. Um, by that token, Alexander Arnold and Robertson are always good choices. Um, Fernandez, yeah, like the defenders in good teams that are cheap. You'd never pick a centre back though. That's just suicide. No, because they don't score goals. Pat Lawrence, what killed the big six? And it's multiple choice by the looks of it. A. Arsenal and Spurs being shit. B. The top four getting better. C. The top four getting richer. Or D. Mid table clubs improving with smart transfer business and management. Blacklist off. Um, I think, yeah, look, the, the, um, the improvement of other teams, I think is the, is the main thing. So I think C, uh, and then I don't know if it's the top four getting richer. I think it's, I don't think Liverpool is on the same level financially as the other three in terms of just throwing money at problems, but yeah, that has left Arsenal and Spurs behind a little bit. It's, it's a bit of column A, B, C, and D, really. (laughs) But I think more often, more, yeah, it's more the the improvement of like the Leicesters, the the West Ham's, the Leeds, as the Everton's. You know, the consensus not good enough, but not bad enough teams. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but Leicester's bad, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, Warwick, the best away slash third kits that aren't your own team. Now I did look these. Up. Uh well, we got a question saying just our top five kits. So I did. I yeah, let's for that. Up. Let's come back. Right. Okay, so Warwick asked the best uh, away slash third kids, um, and then, well, regularly wrong, asked your best five kids of all time. Yeah, I, I, I prepared for this. You are more qualified than I, so I will let you roll. All right, so they're not in order, but uh, I got the Arsenal 2005-2006 home jersey, the burgundy one. Um, I got the France away jersey from the 2006 World Cup, the white one with the blue and red trim. Um I have the Rayo Vallecano rainbow stripe kit from 2015-16. I have the Socceroos spew kit, and I have the Fiorentina 98-99 kit with the collar and the Nintendo on the front. I knew the spew kit would be in there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I am... This is not a question for me for all time, so I thought, yeah, you could take that one. So I thought if anyone's going to... I also was looking at it as just Premier League, so I didn't... I couldn't think of a a top five, but I do, like, the one I will say is I love Chelsea's auto glass kit from the late 90s. Yeah, 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 that's fair. That's a nice white collar as well. A nice yeah. big logo. It's good. Um, but to answer Warwick's question about the best away third kits about your own team, I'm not appeasing you, but I actually really do like Leeds' kit. Uh, well, so, you would. It just looks like a Chelsea kit. Yeah. I, the, I, yeah, the third kit looks a bit like Man City, but um, I do like both of those. Have you seen Everton's? Uh no, I really Everton's like Arsenal's. I really like Arsenal's. Arsenal one. always have great kits. Uh, I but that say. pale blue one they've gone with this year, I really am. Yeah, fan. Everton's home kit is fine, but the rest of their kits are just—they've gone. They love a stripe, so their third kit looks like you know Tottenham's last year. Like the, oh, I pulled them. Up. Oh, they're they're terrible. Yeah, but their goalkeeper home kit. I want one of those. Let me see goalkeeper. Oh yeah, that's nice, the goalkeeper one. But yeah, their um their away and third kits are garbage. Yeah, they're not great. Um, I love Chelsea's away yellow kit, but that's mine, so I can't answer that. Um, yeah, I, do, I love Arsenal's um, away and third as well. The 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 the, the, the lightningy blue one, um, very nice. I do like Leeds's, as I've said. Liverpool that looks like someone you'd wear at Macca's working. Um, it's kind of gross. Man City's playing white kit. I love them playing white kit. I think they're pretty timeless. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd probably say Arsenal is my favourite that isn't yeah. mine though, which feels really dirty to say, but you know, it's it's fashion. Um, and oh, Spurs just yeah, Spurs kits suck. I don't know what they're doing. And also, right, like the the sponsor makes the kit as well. So if you've got like like Wolves kits, I don't really like because the sponsor just looks really weird on them. Um, which which team? Sorry, Wolves. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Look, um, I just um. And Watford's kit, like the oh, what the yeah. what the fuck is that? I've never liked Watford jerseys. They're pretty, yeah. I just think all the like, including ours. I just hate gambling sponsors in general, or like you know, Qatari airline sponsors. But um, yeah. the the Wolves away kit, I kind of like the speckled black one. I think uh, if it weren't for the, 
It looks if you look at the junior kit, which doesn't have the gambling sponsor on it, it's actually quite nice. But yeah. um, yeah. Unfortunately, I just yeah, gambling sponsors just ruin kits, don't they? Yeah, it's partly that. Partly it's just a big ugly sponsor as well. So it's half aesthetics. Uh, <laughs> Ando has decided to insult me, and he's asking thoughts on a team signing Lukaku for a hundred mil when they could wait and get Haaland for seventy five. Yeah. So, do you know there's like a large section of Leeds fans that think we're getting Haaland next year? Because he was born there. Well, yeah, and because he was, like, he's declared he's... He's quoted as saying a Leeds fan, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, which uh, is, I, no. I don't think it's going to happen, <laughs> but yeah. No, but like, to, to seriously answer the question, like, you can't, you can't wait. Like, in all, like if, you, if you know you're not getting in this year, you can't wait, I hope. Because then, like, when he's cheaper, then everyone's going to be in for him. And it's like, well, yeah. And, like, it's not my money, so I'm not too concerned. And, like, I know it's probably not the right way to operate, but, I mean, I'm sure Roman's fine. Yeah, I think that's fair. Jason Oliver asks, why, <laughs> why should I keep getting up in the middle of the night to watch Tottenham not win enough games to compete with the title? Just don't. Yeah, don't do it. No, but you should, though. Just watch your team. It's fine. But, yeah, um, Optus mini-matches are your friend. They really are great, aren't they? Yeah. Well, I did watch the um the last day of the season. I slept. I, I missed the games live, and obviously we needed to win or hope that um Leicester, at least one of Leicester or Liverpool, lost to guarantee our top four. And I watched our mini game first, and we lost to Villa, and I was like, oh, well, that's not good. And then Liverpool won, and I was like, oh, this isn't good. And then Leicester were up, and I was like, oh, well, shit. Um, all the mini matches, so there's a lot of drama to be had in them. Doc Yowland asks, is the league in danger of becoming a best of the rest with City already having one hand on the title, seemingly? Yeah, I think... Can I do, Yeah, we, we talked about it for like 10 minutes, but no one's getting... I don't think anyone else is really even in the conversation to winning the title. Yeah, it'd take a, it'd take a few more years for it to be any sort of like uh, status, though. I would, like, it's uh, not, yeah, I, it's not I agree. Bad. It's not that bad yet. Um, then he's asked about if Bakayo Saka's winning a bunch of awards. Uh, yeah, no. good. Yeah. I do like Bakaya Saka, but... I do really like Bakaya, and I felt sorry for him after the Euros. Uh, but no, I, I'll admit, I didn't see it at first with him, but no, I'm a big fan now. Um, Dave, as a somewhat lapsed fan who hasn't been paying much attention of late, do Arsenal fans have anything to be excited about going into the season? Well, you said Ben White. Uh, yeah, no, they'll be all right. Yeah, no, I think they have a lot to look forward to. Yeah, there's not, like, obviously he's one of the Arsenal fans without hope. But um, you know their attack in theory should be really good, and then yeah, Ben White's a nice, nice player. Um, yeah, they've got good pieces. Yeah, uh, Harvey has Carlo and Chilotti proved once and for all that you should never trust an Italian, and then he's cut that out and said, uh, "Old rich guy." I, <laughs> I, th- I think he's an Everton fan. Yes, uh, it's a shame that how that went, but yes, yes. I mean, you can say it. I'd never trust an Italian, and I grew up with them. Grazie. Oh. Never trust <laughs> Bonjourno. I would never trust an Italian. Um, uh, someone asked a friend of mine from America, Tyler, uh, basically wants to know he needs his version of the Sydney Kings in the NBL, which basically just means um, he wants a team that is full of elite characters. He doesn't care about winning. Right. Uh, huh. Okay. Um in the least characters, like, aren't that online. Yeah, like, it's not all, the They're very yeah. sponsors. You don't really see the, a lot of the, their like, well, personalities. If, if Pogba stays at Man U, it's like they're probably one of them, right? But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, like, like Chelsea, they've got like a bunch of young guys and they're, they're all right. But yeah, like you don't see a lot of their personalities because it's pretty heavily monitored, these guys. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't, and I don't know anything about anyone else. So I'm not going to be like, oh, yeah, you know. Southampton have great bands. Go follow them. No, why? Nor should you. <laughs> now, I'm trying to think if there's like been a, an outstanding admin moment from like the team social media, but I can't think of any. Oh, Leeds have the best social media account. They roast people all the time, and it's great. Um, I did enjoy. I, I, I mean, a of course you tell that, but I did enjoy the. No, um, they they legit do though. <laughs> no, I did enjoy the uh, the Merseyside Reds sled. Yeah, they, that's that's league. that's old hat for them, mate. They do shit like that all the time. It's fantastic. <laughs> Um, yeah, Paul Pogba, if you want one player, uh, I, yeah, it, it's, it's hard. They're not like NBA guys that are online all the time. 
Uh, Ando, again, best and worst transfer of the offseason. Um, I think um, I can't see any of the like those big money ones going poorly. Um, I could see Danny Ings just not really being that essential for Villa, given that they have Watkins already, and it just seems like it was kind of a bit of a waste. Mm. So I'll say that, just because of how much money it cost. How much did it cost? I don't actually see. Like $30 million or something? Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So that's $30 million for Ings, $30 million for Bailey, and $38 million for Buendia. Jeez. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Because my answer was going to be um, Buendia, because at least Ings is proven in the league, and Bailey's, you know, that potential. And it's not like a... I think Point D is bad, but it's, again, it's a lot of money for the best championship player. So it's more risky than, you know, just straight up terrible. And it could yeah. work out. So, sure, um, it could. Yeah, you never know. Uh, best, we've spoken about that. Lukaku, Ben White. Yep. Yeah, um, yeah, no arguments there. Brendan, surprise team and player of the season. Ah, um, uh, Brentford. Although. Does that yeah. mean Ivan Tony? I. Surprise player. Um, well, a lot of people are talking about him, so I'm not sure if he can really be a surprise player. But um, I'm just, yeah, I think they will be better than people expect. And I think I also look at look. I just really have this feeling that Palace are going to be all right. So I'll say Conor Gallagher. Oh, you've stolen my answer. Have I really? <laughs> Conor Gallagher, yes. Oh, what? It's boring. It, it, it's half hope though, but because he, he'll just come back. Um, but I was I was going to say, um, yeah, it's a bit of a boring one, but you know, Everton. It wouldn't surprise me if they're good, but they always seem to fuck it up somehow. Yeah. So I'll say them as my most surprising, you know, like dark horse Europa, like could be good team. But yeah, I was dead set going to say Conor Gallagher is my. As the yeah, player. yeah. Fair. Um, yeah. Uh, and last question from Simon. <laughs> I don't know how to answer this, but name your NBA 11, i.e. basketball players that should be good at soccer. <laughs> Sorry, say that again. Uh, name your NBA 11, uh, basketball players that would be good at soccer. 11? That's so many. All right. Um, yeah, I don't, you know, LeBron James is good at everything. So I've got the obvious answer for one for the striker. Yeah, go on. Draymond. It's, it's, P, it's PJ Tucker as is the not- Rudini type. Is it not Draymond just kicking people all the time? Well, that's what PJ Tucker would do. It's the same. It's the same logic. Okay, all right. They can play up front together. It's fine. Yeah, okay. Two, um, two Troy Deanies. How good? Let's go. Okay, great. Uh, I don't want to do the rest of this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah, know. I did, like, they're all I did think like. About it. A little bit. Steve um, Nash was really good at soccer. Yes. I did. But yeah, he's but, not in the league anymore. Dirk. No, I was going to say, Chris Paul. Chris Dirk's not in the league, mate. Jesus. I know. But Dirk <laughs> had that highlight where he falls over in that. Charity game is what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chris Paul's your attacking midfielder, surely. Okay, that's fine. Chris Paul's number 10. Yeah, it's, it, they're so different body types. I can't. Yeah, list. Dirk did the Simone Zaza penalty in a charity match and, like, just skied it. It was great. <laughs> oh, you just did that. Yeah, because I've just seen it. Yep, cool. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, closing remarks. That brings us to another, the end of another episode. A very successful one, I thought. Uh, yeah, I had a great time, Ben. Um, I wish you and your team all the best, because now that Frank Lampard's there, I don't have to death ride them anymore. So. <laughs> um, where can the the people follow you if they don't really uh, know you? Well, yeah, I mean, DMAP, I got on Twitter, but uh, NRL Boom Rookies, download, subscribe. Uh, even if you don't like rugby league, we don't talk about rugby league very much, so. <laughs> uh, yeah, you follow me, Ben Esquag, as always, beyond the fence, uh, beyond T-Fence, sorry, shit, fuck. Um, you know, subscribe, leave a rating, all that generic podcast dribble at the end. Yeah. Uh, thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. No worries. Thanks, mate. See ya.